has ever found themselves in a position where they were really scared? There's only a few telling the truth. <laughs> yeah, this morning on the way here, right? Yes, yes. Uh, driving on the road could have been very scary for some. Uh, I remember uh, bus rides as a kid that were a little intimidating. Anybody else have bus problems as a kid? Yeah, yeah. Whether you'd be able to sit in the back or not was really dependent upon who wanted to own the back of the bus, right? And uh, as I got older, then I got to be in the back and no one else could be back there, right? You just kind of shift that. It's a level of power shifts in the bus. But man, what life lessons. Amen? Yeah. What do you say, Brad? Do you get most of your lessons you've learned from hunting and, f- school and the school bus? Yeah, yeah. Life lessons. If, but to be candid, it was kind of scary. There was lots of times in my childhood I dealt with some fear, just fear in uh, uh, relationship, fear in... I was in seven tornadoes once at, down in Fridley, uh, 1964, I think it was. It tells you a little bit about how old I am. 65, seven tornadoes in a row, and I was in Fridley, and I think it, like three or four of them hit us. We had a, a bathtub and a toilet in our yard, of which neither of them were ours, but uh, that was interesting. Uh, yeah, but I, I remember being pretty frightened by that, amen? And uh, a lot of times in my life, even after that, lots of fear. Probably the, the place of the most fear that I found myself in was when I was, when I was in, uh, in a treatment facility at 45. And I really, I thought I was going to die. I, I was dying, and all of my relationships had died, uh, my job was dead. My home was dead. Uh, I, was, I was dying, and I was really afraid. I, I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was going to do as a result of it because everything that I was was wrapped up in those things, and all of a sudden they were gone. And so absent of that, I did what was referred to many times in my life when I was afraid I would reach out to God in what I'll call a foxhole prayer. Everybody know what one of those are? A foxhole is something that you dig in combat, that you keep yourself protected in against the enemy. And you can guarantee one thing, that if people are shooting at you, there are no atheists in a foxhole. Everyone is crying out to, to God for protection. And that was me. Um... I reached out many times in my life in that same way. It's like, God, help me through this. Like... Uh, I can remember, and this is going to be sad to admit, but I remember a couple of times where I was in fear that I had gotten someone pregnant. I'm the only one I know in this room that had to deal with that. (laughs) But in that fear, I would reach out to God, right? I would say, if you just, just get me out of this one, right, I'll never do that again. And I meant it, right? I mean, I meant it because I was fearful and what was going to happen and what was going to happen to my family. I mean, all of the things, it was just like reality was striking and I was reaching out and of course he was faithful in those circumstances and everything was okay. And I would really be mindful and being, you know what, I'm really going to be good. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow God because he helped me with this thing. I'm going to do it. And then, and then I go like maybe two or three days really good. And then something would kind of creep in or 
something would take and I'd get a little bit lackadaisical and in no time again I found myself doing the same things in the same way, having really not changed anything to yet pray another day. Amen? Can anyone relate? It's transparency, right? But I find the same pattern throughout the Bible in many different instances. This is Psalm 116. This is David, King David. I love the Lord. This, is, this was me in treatment 14 years ago. I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my prayer for mercy. Because he bends down to listen, I will pray as long as I have breath. Death wrapped its ropes around me. The terrors of the grave overtook me. I saw only trouble and sorrow. Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, please, Lord, save me. How kind the Lord is. How good he is. So merciful, this God of ours. The Lord protects those of childlike faith. I was facing death, and he saved me. Let my soul be at rest again, for, the, for he, Lord, has been good to me. He has saved me from death, my death, he, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling, and so I walk in the Lord's presence as I live here on earth. I believed in you, so I said I'm deeply troubled, Lord. In my anxiety, I cried out to you. These people are all liars. What can I offer the Lord for all he has done for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and pray the Lord's name for saving me. I will keep my promises to the Lord in the presence of all his people. And then he committed adultery. I mean, what can I do? I'm just going to, pr- I promise, I'll promise, I'll promise, I'll promise, I'll promise. I'll, I'll never do anything like that. You've saved me. You've done the, you've taken me from this and you've placed me in this and something happened. So what happened? What happened is what I call a slow fade. He saw Bathsheba through his window getting ready for a bath. It wasn't the first day he saw her. You hear me? He began to glance. Ah, praise the Lord. I live in the, I prom- promise I will serve the Lord, honor him. I'm a man after God's own heart. Then the next day or a couple of days later, there she was again and there she was again and there she was again. Then he made, then he started plotting some stuff, amen? He plotted some stuff. Then he ultimately had her come to him. He had intimacy with her. She had a baby. He had her husband killed to keep himself safe. What gives? Come on. Can, can, can we see ourselves doing something similar? I sure found myself doing things similar. Slow fate. So, so what, what gives? Jeremiah 2, 2 says, Go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. 
I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago, how you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. Can any of y'all relate? I remember when, maybe the Lord's whispering in your ear right now saying, I remember when you and I were like this. I remember when we were talking and walking, doing things in the cool of the garden together and the intimacy that we've had. I remember that. I remember that. Where have you gone? The next verse, Galatians 1.6, I'm shocked that you're turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You're following a different way that pretends to be the good news. Something has caught your attention. Something has caught your imagination. Something has caught your thought life. Something is starting to take hold, and it's this slow fade that's going to begin to lure you. You didn't just see it the third time. You saw it the first time, and then you entertained it, and then pretty soon it becomes something that's just yours that you do, and it becomes almost callous, like you don't even feel bad for it anymore. Like it's just become part of what you do. And the Lord is like, I want you to remember how I remember you. Because something has happened. Something has happened. It's been a slow fade. We were here, and now you're like, how did you get over there? 1 Corinthians 5, 6. Your boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads throughout the whole batch of dough? That slow fade begins to eat at and infest the balance of your life with the sole purpose of stealing everything that God has given you from your mind. It can't steal anything that happened in your spirit, but in your thought life, it can get pretty real, can't it? Like, I'm not even deserving Christ's love anymore, and I'm just not good at being good, and all the lies that we begin to believe about ourselves. Revelation 2.4. But I have this complaint against you you don't love me or each other as you did at first look how far you've fallen turn back to me and do the works you did at first if you don't repent I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches like he wants us to be in that place of communion with him where our love relationship is first with him. And he puts us on a lampstand. And he says, I got this one thing against you. You're not loving me like you used to love me. Something has captured your attention. And if you don't repent from whatever's capturing your attention, I'm going to take you off the lampstand. Because I don't want you to be the example unto others of what it means to be a follower of Christ. It's nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with your light. Amen? There's some of us that have a light that just wants to shine. But there's this one thing that we do that we think we need to get rid of before we can shine that light. Amen? Like, once I get here, then I'll, I'll, I'll start that. Well, God's got good news for you. He wants you to shine that light right now, and that light's going to come through by loving him the way you did at first. Not loving him for him, loving him because of him. Does that make some sense? It's like for all that he's done, let's keep going here. John 12, 25. 
Those who love their life in this world will lose it, and those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. And anyone who wants to serve me must follow me. You're grasping this. If you want to serve him, you must follow him because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will, all, will honor anyone who serves me. 1 John 2.16 The world, on the other hand, only offers a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are the slow fade things that the evil one is using right now to draw you away from the truth surrounding who and whose you are in Christ. It's designed specifically to put you into a slow fade to where ultimately he's even telling you straight up, these are not from the Father, they're from the world. And who is the prince of the world? The evil one himself. So his whole plan is to get you to slow fade. It's not going to be where you wake up tomorrow and say, I just don't believe in God anymore. Or I'm mad at God. Are you following me? So it's like, it's this, what's captivating right now? What's captivating you from your first love? Anything? If so, he's revealing it to you right now. Like he's sharing it with you right now. Either you want to listen to it or you don't. You can go all you want, but he's sharing it with you and he wants you to hear it. This is so awesome. Joshua 24, 14. Therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods, little g, that your father served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it's evil in your... If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord. Make a choice. Who are you going to serve? Whether your gods are the, uh, uh, whether the gods your fathers served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we choose to serve the Lord. Is it a choice? So a choice. Let's talk about choice. Um, how many like to exercise? About some of us. Um, how many of us would love to be healthier? Across the board. Okay? So Rochelle is... She eats healthy. She's very cognizant of her health. Um, but we've had many challenges in, her, in our marriage together, not relationally, but just her, her being able to follow through with the things she wants to do for her own self, for her own health. So she likes, needs some coach, right? Somebody to motivate her, somebody to keep her accountable to the things that she wants to do. So she'll get into a, an exercise program and, and she will be... All in. Right on? And she sees results. She's prancing around the house, showing me how her jeans fit different and all of that. And she's really excited and all of that. And then she misses a day. Or the person doesn't encourage. Or the person stops. Or whatever that thing is. And all of a sudden, that slow fate, everything, everything was every day at 10 o'clock. 
And then it became once or twice or three times a week, and then it's like, gosh, I just can't keep it up. Anybody deal with that? So my bride's not alone, okay? It's just, well, this isn't, this isn't a... Motivation and inspiration will never sustain you. Did you hear that? Motivation, inspiration, they go up and down based on how you feel. But a commitment is a way of life. It's, it's not a how I feel. It's not I need a motivator. It's not I need an accountability. I am committed to these things in my life. I exercise. It's a way of my life. I don't think about it. I just do it. It's not how I feel or don't feel. It's a way of life for me. It's not a God for me, a God of the Amorites. It's in its proper place, but it's a way of life for me. I don't ask myself, do I feel like working out today? It's nothing to do with how I feel. It's a commitment that I've made onto the Lord to take care of myself. That commitment is mine to Him. And he's the one who's in the gym already when I get there. He's all the inspiration I need. He spots me. He never leaves me alone. I listen to worship music while I'm there. We have some of the most amazing times together. I wouldn't miss it for the world because it's a commitment. Are there days when I don't want to go in there? Come on. Most days. Especially over the holidays, because, man, I eat really good. And I'd just as soon say, oh, let's just let her buck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can get after it after the first of the year. But guess what? That slow fade. If I were to take that commitment out of my life and just decide, you know, let's let it go for at least till New Year's. You know how hard it's going to be for me to get back onto that commitment after the first of the year? It'll be just like starting all over, and then you literally do because you feel like you've lost everything that you've gained, and I've been working out for 25 years, and I'll lose it in two weeks. I'm not joking. So does it take motivation, inspiration, accountability? Many of you are here today for some motivation and inspiration. I hope you leave with some. But it's going to stop as soon as somebody pops your bubble. And then you'll be right back there again, like, oh, God, help me. Amen? So what do we do? Psalm 37, 5 says, commit everything you do to the Lord. Commit. Isn't that right? I mean, it's like most things, the things I want to commit to God, commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him, and he will help you. Put your trust onto the Lord, and he direct your path. Absolutely. Your steps are directed by him. All of them. Huh. Jesus replied in Mark 12, 29, the most important commandment, the most important commitment, the most important response is this. Listen, Alexandria. The Lord your God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. What's left? Everything committed 
your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength, everything committed to the Lord. Well, what about, yep. Second is equally important. Commandment, not emotion. I don't feel like it. My neighbor's a jerk. This isn't an option. It's a commitment. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commitment, no other commandment is greater than these. This is so fun, right? So John 8, 28. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross, then you will understand that I am he... I do nothing on my own, but say only what the Father taught me. Is he our example? Is he, is he the one who's trying to help us to have the best life? Is he saying that I am so committed to my Father, I won't do one thing without hearing from him before I do anything. Not one word will come out that I haven't considered that the Father hasn't given me. Man, that's, that's commitment. It's not emotion. I mean, I imagine Jesus, when he was about to go to the cross, I mean, he's thinking, he even said, if there's a different way, God, you know, I would sure be open to it. But your will and not mine be done. That's a commitment. And he said, for the joy set before me. There was no joy in his emotion. Come on. He was... He was sitting in that place to say, perfect love needs to cast out all fear. And I'm going to the cross because I know I'm doing it for the things that are going to happen as a result. And I'm going to keep my eye. And I'm not going to listen to the lie that says that it is another way. I'm just going to be obedient. I'm going to go right to the cross. And I'm going to do what he's asked me to do. Even if it wouldn't have worked. But praise God it did. Yeah. Amen. So he's giving us, he's asking us to have our faith boosted. Let's keep going. I, <laughs> and the one who has sent me is with me. He has not deserted me, for I always do what pleases him. I want every single thing that I do, every thing, single thing that I think, to please my father. That's my commitment. It's my commitment. It's my commitment to love on Rochelle when she's unlovable. It doesn't matter if she's unlovable. It has nothing to do with it. It's what my father told me to do. And when I do, especially when she's unlovable, is when he's most pleased. Because he literally knows that I'm doing it to please him. Praise be to God, because that's loving your neighbor out of the commitment to love your neighbor, not for what your neighbor can do for you or what they've done for you lately allows you to respond to them in a certain way that's nice and kind and whatever. Greg, you're going to be shoveling your neighbor's driveway. You're just going to be. That lady's going to see you coming up to the door and she's going to be wondering, like, what's all this about? And she's going to have her mind blown when you say, I want to plow your driveway. It's not because he... He knows her and wants something from her. The Lord placed it on his heart, and he revealed it to me that he was going to be doing that. And he said, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. 
Amen? I can't wait to hear. It's not an option. It's not, I don't feel like plowing her driveway today. Well, pick a day you would feel like it. Jesus says, for I always do what pleases him. John 14, 23, Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. (laughs) My father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. It's like you're listening and following him is like a welcome mat to your home. And it's you, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit doing life together. It's where you live. It's where you move. It's where you breathe. It's called the kingdom of God. You're the living, a temple of the living God. And everything that I do, I don't have to wonder if the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit who reside within me are pleased with what I'm doing, nor do I have to wonder what they're asking me to do. It's as natural as breath. If he says, jump, if it pleases him, I'm jumping. If it looks silly, I don't care. Man, I looked silly at Ozzy Osbourne concerts, I can tell you that. (laughs) Molly Hatchet, you should have seen me. You guys can relate to that. I want to please my father. I want to have my hands raised to him. I want to get excited over what he's doing in my life. Man, he's doing some, he's doing supernatural stuff. Molly Hatchet couldn't do any of that. I tried. I tried psychedelics. I tried everything to try to find what the supernatural is in the Lord. And hit the joy of the Lord is something amazing. He does things that continuously help me to know that he's got a significant plan for my life. And he loves me. And I just want to please him. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me good news man when I was on God's rock and and I sensed that the Lord had responded in that place where I saw death and I saw no real hope other than him and and when he came to me and said that I was loved and that everything was going to be okay and and, and I wasn't even I I said you know I surrender all because I didn't have much right there wasn't much there so I surrendered all that to God and he, when he picked me up in that place, and he said the words that he said, it was like, I'm loved, everything's going to be okay. I knew that for the first time in my life that he loved me. I don't know why that time, but it was like, I knew he loved me then. And when somebody loves you and you know they love you, you want to do what they ask you to do, especially if their purpose is to do nothing but help you and to protect you and to help you to become who you were created to be. So for whatever reason, it was in that place at that time that I made a commitment to God. I made a commitment to God that forever and a day, no choice, 
I will serve you. I will be radically obedient to what you ask me to do. I will be radically obedient to what you ask me to do. Have I been perfect? <laughs> By no stretch. But he sees me as perfect, and I recognize that. So it's not a matter of slow fading to the point where I'm desperate again. I see within moments where I've not pleased him. Are you with me? Like if you're holding hands with somebody and you're walking along, if I'm holding hands with Rochelle and all of a sudden she takes her hand and just kind of drops my hand, I've done something. Huh? You know. It's not that he'll ever leave you or forsake you, but you see you've dropped his hand. Are you with me? You'll see you dropped his hand and you're going to continue to walk. And you feel like, feel like you have a right to this. Like, what about me? How come I? And why do they? You start building up this fade of self. And watch where you end up. He'll let you go. And you'll find yourself once again turned around, screaming, God, if you just get me out of this one. I so want us, as a body of believers, to lock into the commitment of obeying God. He loves you. He's not trying to take you to places that aren't going to be good for you. I love my life. I only love my life because of what he's done in it. I had nothing to do with it. He's done it all. So if you can't, here's your inspiration. Your inspiration is he can turn everything that's ugly in your life upside down and he can make all things good. If that doesn't give you reason enough to commit, I'm proof, Rochelle's proof, there, look around you. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of testimony, there's all kinds of victory in this room. There's also slow fading going on in the room. And guess what? The Lord is using me today to be the messenger. To say, hey, it's okay. 2 Corinthians 7, Paul sent this letter to the church of Corinth because... They had slow fade in their church. There was people starting to do stupid stuff, and it was accepted, and, and nobody was really saying anything, so Paul wrote a letter. He said, now I'm glad I sent it. Not because it hurt you, because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. Repent isn't like, oh, I feel so bad about making all these decisions. Repenting is turning the wheel and just getting back on course. Turn around. Whatever's been fading you, just turn around. You already know you've been an idiot. You don't need anybody to tell you that. Just turn around. Just turn around. And as you're facing the Lord, man, he's running at you. He's just running at you. He's coming at you. He's like, man, I've, ooh, ooh, let's create some new memories right now. Let's create some new memories like right now. Yeah. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have so that you were not harmed by us in any way. I'm not, I'm not trying to harm anyone here. I'm trying to, because of God's love for you, I'm trying to help you to recognize that it's only a matter of turning around and facing back towards the, your first love that all of this gets restored. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. Just turn, turn around. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. But worldly sorrow 
Man, they caught me. Oh, I hope they don't find that out about me. Right on? Oh, if I could only hide this a little longer. That which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Oh, I want to keep this thing hidden. The Lord has been asking you throughout this morning to help you to recognize that what you're doing in this area needs to change. He's already identified things in each of our lives. And he'll continue to refine us. So he's already identified things. He's also saying that it's going to take some decision, commitment to turn. Right? It's going to take a turning. Don't sit in shame and guilt over where you're at. But it's going to take a turning. And in the turning, he's already there leading. And you're going to begin to hear his voice just like you'd never missed it. Just like you had never been gone. Amen? He'll lead you right back into life. Hebrews 12.1, we've had this scripture on for a couple of weeks, so there must be something to it. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down. What's that slow fade that's slowing you down? Especially the sin that so easily trips you up. You know what it is. And you know if there's two of them. And if there's two of them, if he's identified them to you, he's also given you the power to overcome them. And it won't be about your efforts. It'll be about your understanding of what he's done on the cross versus your feeling like you have to work harder, strive more. The victory's already been given. That's finished in Jesus' name. And it says, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. 1 John 5, 2. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. We think of commandments as if we've got to We have to do something or else. The commandments that he's giving us are designed to bring life as a result of following. Okay? It's a result that happens as a result of following. So the commandment is really, you could use the word, the commitment. My greatest commitment, the greatest thing that I can do for the Lord is to commit everything to Him. Everything, everything about me, my children, my wife, my home, this church, everything, everything committed to Him and Him first. And then He says, I will help you to walk in it. So when he's made the plans and orchestrated the plans and the steps of a righteous man are orchestrated by the Lord and it's hit, my sheep know my voice and follow me, that means that I am in dialogue with the Lord all the time. Are you with me? I'm in dialogue with the Lord all the time. But if I'm not hearing him, I had shared this with John a little earlier, if I'm not hearing him, it's almost like my, my radio receiver is off like a half a cog, like on an AM station. It's like... You can kind of hear something, but it's just not clear. And you're like, I haven't heard anything from the Lord at all surrounding some things. And I've been, I've been seeking Him, but you know what? There's this... 
He's wanting you to be radically obedient to something he's already told you to do. Did you hear what I just said? And as soon as whatever that is, and he'll bring it to mind right now, as soon as you do that which he's asked you to do, you'll hear him instantly. So if you feel like you're not hearing from the Lord, what was the last thing he asked you to do or change that you haven't done? Come on. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? Yeah. Sounds exciting. So then I want everybody in place to have a litmus test and test them on that. God, I'm just going to go be radically obedient to what you asked me to do in this thing. And watch how that megaphone, first thing you're going to hear is, I so love you. Where have you been? You aren't loving me the way you first loved me because you weren't listening to what I was asking you to do. Because if you love me, you'd obey me. And if you do follow me and you do obey me, then me, my Father, the Holy Spirit, we're going to just have fellowship together all the time. Does that sound exciting or not? Yes. Praise God. For every child of God defeats this evil world, and we achieve this victory through our faith. And who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We know that God's children do not make a practice of sinning. For God's Son holds them securely, and the evil one cannot touch them. See, as, as you live and move and breathe in this place, the things that I think on that would cause me to be a practice of sinning, man, I recognize them right away as counterfeit. Like it's a counterfeit. Something's trying, something's trying to get me off. And my Lord will not let me be snatched into that thing. Amen? He will not let me. He says he provides a way out every single time. Every temptation, he provides a way out. And what is he asking me to do in those situations is what's going to get me out of it. Amen? Amen. Every time, every time. So I, I don't have to worry about being, making a practice of sinning because he won't let me get snatched into that. He's allowed me a way to make sure that I'm protected from that. Every time that thing comes up, he's given me him to fight off whatever that thing is that would cause me to practice sinning. We know that we are children of God and that the world around us is under the control of the evil one. We have to know that. He's saying here we know that. This is an assumption, but I think a lot of times with the slow fade and how the world works, we don't really recognize it as vile and evil as it is. We would love to play a little patty cake because it's so alluring. All of those things, lust of the eye, lust of flesh, pride of life, possessions, titles, relationships, you can, the list can go on. It's not that God doesn't want you to have nice things. He will give you all kinds of wonderful things as a result of pleasing him, not pleasing your lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. Those will only be temporal. And we know that the Son of God has come, and he has given us understanding so that we can know the true God. And now we live in fellowship with the true God because we live in fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ. He is the only true God, and he is eternal life. This is maybe a good verse to memorize for the week. Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. The inspiration or the motivation that you got from this morning is not going to last. I can just tell you that straight up. But through Christ, your commitment to Christ 
You have control over that. That's where we take the reins. And as for me and my house, and as for me and this body of believers, we're going to serve the Lord here. We're not going to play patty cake. We're going to call sin, sin. It's okay because we don't live in it. We're not under the power of it. We don't have to be. We've had victory over it. And we need one another to be able to lock arms so we can walk this thing out. Not for motivation and inspiration, but because the enemy is seeking and prowling around, roaring lions, seeing who he can kill and steal and destroy. And that's going to be our emotions. There's people wrestling. I dealt with a lady this morning with prayer. She's dealing with anxiety from her past, like she's an onion. And she needs to peel off all of these things and go through all of these inner healings from all of these different things. And every time she goes and starts to do it, she reveals more stuff that she was hurting and just staying in this place of woundedness. And I said, did you hear what Jesus said on the cross when he died and he or was dying and he looked to his father and he said, it is. Come on. Did anybody just hear that? It, it's. Finish. You're not an onion. I got really good news. You're no onion. And even if you were an onion, that onion died. And you became a new onion. Are you following me? All things have become new. He wants to show you how much love he has for you, how loved you are. The finished work of the cross is what does it for us. He did it for us. So we don't have to sit in this place. And the evil one wants you to stay in this, oh, if I only would have this, if, if my dad wouldn't have this, and my sister wouldn't have that, and my education wouldn't have this. Get over yourself. You died, remember? You're dead. That, part, that life's gone. Now everything's become new. Well, what about, it's made me the person I am. That died too. It's dead. The only one that wants to resurrect it is you and the devil. It's finished. It's finished. I am not an addict. I'm healed in Jesus' name. If I go use drugs again, I'm a druggie. Call it whatever you want. I'm a chosen, precious child of the living king who will never have to do drugs again. Never have to. It doesn't have any power over me. It has no authority over me. It has nothing to do with my life. It has nothing to do with my identity. It has something to do with my past. And the areas of your greatest affliction are you going to be the areas of your most effective ministry. So because I was that and I'm not that, that's why you guys are here. Are you with me? Yeah. Amen. That's our lives. And you're going to be doing the same for others. If you're just an onion continuing to peel, go find a group. You can all peel, peel onions the rest of your life, man. But I want us to walk out of here in victory, not under motivation or inspiration, but under the truth of God's word. That's who we are. Man, it's so good. So let's try and keep away from anything that would take our, the place of God in our hearts. Amen? So we're going to do communion together, right? So communion, the only reason why I have any hope at all is what Christ did on the cross. Because apart from him, I, I'm nothing. I got, I got nothing. So he took all, all, all of my imperfections, right? All sickness, all my bad habits. Yeah, he took those too. He took all, all of it and he died with it. And so as a result of that death, 
He says, I did it for you, right? I did it for you so you wouldn't have to. How many of us are still killing ourselves because of the things that we've done? Looking ourselves in the mirror and having a hard time liking what we see. Because we're still beating ourselves up for stuff that's already been paid for. God took it all off of you so that you would be able to see yourself without spot or blemish. Yeah! Yeah! I love looking in the mirror in the morning. I do. That guy's got it. He's got the Lord. Man, the lives are a lamp on my heart. I'm filled with them. Man, what's not to love about that? Come on. You want them? You got them. Toyota. Don't leave home without them. But it's a commitment. Because of all that he's done for me, everything that I have is his. He took everything off of me and put everything of him on me. The righteousness of Christ, the robe, the ring, the fatted calf, the celebration. Because I look to him to be the author and perfecter of my faith. And he promises me a life of goodness, of peace, of joy, of kindness and gentleness. And He directs my steps and my plans prosper all because he said it's finished. Man, I hope we can grab a hold of that today. The result of that finished work allows you to be filled with truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's no other way but to be filled with him. And when you're filled with him, you cannot help but pour it out on others. You can't help it. If you know how much you're loved and it fills you, man, BJ, there's nothing in the world I want you to know that I love you like crazy, dude. And I don't care what you do. Right? Why? Because I'm full of him. I'm full of him. And if he asks me to do things that I don't want to do, guess who takes first place in my life? Because my best ideas got me in a treatment facility at 45. (laughs) Amen? Giving is why he asked us to do this, because it's a reflection of whether or not you're full of him. And he says, even test him on this. If I don't overflow blessings onto your life when you recognize everything that that you have is mine anyway, you can't outgive him. Man, this holiday season, I'm looking forward to doing some serious giving with people that have no idea where it's coming from. Isn't that awesome? Man, I think we should just start a trend of that. We could have... It might even be in the newspaper. If we all do it, just start dropping stuff off on people's doorsteps, man. You know? We got enough bread. (laughs) Come on. There's enough bread back there. We could do half of Alec right there. (laughs) But to be able to be full, to overflowing during this holiday season, this is our time to shine. They're all looking for a reason for the season, man. It could be right your time is now. 